0: All right. Well, today I have Amanda at Kuzek's Closet. And today we're going to learn a little bit more about the services that Amanda has to offer as I wasn't as aware of this offering before. So, Amanda, please tell us a little bit about yourself, like how you got into the business. And maybe if you can take us to a little high level overview of what you guys are doing from a service perspective. And then we'll dive a little bit deeper as to the logistics and and all the processes involved with it.
1: Yeah. So Kuzek's Closet is based in Los Altos. We've been in business I've been in business for almost 20 years. uh, So, started in 2004, and our business has evolved over the last 20 years with the root of organization being the prime uh, focus on it. Uh, So, we specialize in a service at this time called private liquidation. It's something I started back in 2004, and it has evolved with social media and um, our current technology especially in silicon valley so at this time now we are able to liquidate a full estate within two to three days from start to finish we come in as a team and uh, sort all the contents determine what has value we list those on our custom app called shop Kuzek's closet shoppers will click and buy and then they pick up curbside at the estate and and then in tandem to that we're handling donations, trash, recycling, shredding, you name it. If you can move it, we remove it. And then we leave each property broom swept and empty. Um, So it's great, especially for local real estate agents were a huge resource for them because they often have this big problem to solve. And that's the only thing that they can't really figure out what to do a lot of times especially if there is value uh, between the seller or seller moving out and then them coming in with the prep team to do floors paint stage so our service is a very uh, efficient service that we always you know are able to show up on time and get it empty on time which time is really important in this business
0: no that's very interesting I mean I think everybody knows of like when people want to move for a place, there's a couple of routes that are more traditional, right? And to be fair, like kind of a DIY solution. So there's some that are just garage sales, mm-hmm. to like estate sales, mm-hmm. right? And it sounds like you're, you're and then obviously you can even just, just call it 1-800-GOT-JUNK and throw everything out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so it sounds like your solution is this kind of hybrid, right? It's not, it's it's still selling it all as you would, mm-hmm. but you're, you're almost like, almost like this, auctioneer kind of almost like curating the things like what's the right so to even try to sell or what can you sell some things yeah. you just throw away donate is that is that kind of how your thought process is so let's say you go to this big house there's a decades decades of stuff in it mm-hmm. how do you like is that is it did I did I paint that picture yeah. correctly or-
1: yes so you know the pre-2020 we offered in-person shopping in-person liquidations and they serve a purpose but with our marketplace it just it's if they're outdated, and that market is letting people come through on a state for three days and discounting and peddling things is. It's just not a marketplace that works really, especially in Silicon Valley, where most people are online and they want to shop online and they don't want to drive somewhere to buy something unless it's something that they know they're going to buy. So, um then nobody wants to get in their car and drive around especially with, you know, the traffic and and just people's work schedules. So, yes, yeah. so we do a fabulous job of curating really the best parts of each estate because we don't show and we don't get too personal on on each estate of who lived there and what they did. We don't name the estate after the client's last name or their street name and we're never, you know, listing it as, you know, a physician who did xyz. We just it's nobody's business. That's why it's also called private liquidation. So we go through and if in a family member um, and as people, especially with aged estates where someone has lived there for 50, 60 years and they haven't replaced the carpet or they had a cat and they've damaged furniture or things like that, we don't want to showcase that. So um, that's also a part of the service being quite discreet. Uh, and then we show the best part. So if there's a dish set that needs to be washed and sold or like a mid-century dining table that has been covered. Um, and we'll put the leaves in and we'll use teak oil on it and make sure that it can look its best. Uh, so it can find a new life um, because the big focus on our service is really finding a new home for things. We want as much value as possible, but we also um, focus on finding homes for the most volume at the same time.
0: So it's almost, yeah. I mean, it's literally like an, like a, like a, an auction, like not an auctioneer system, but like you're, you're this curator. You mm-hmm. may take the efforts of like restoring some things. If it makes sense to spend the yeah. time and the money to do it. So walk, yeah. walk us through like, or well, walk us through like the business model then, right? Like are they, are you, I guess, number one, before even the business model, are you having to move the stuff from their home into like no. a facility or still at their place?
1: No, because that is a lack of efficiency. So moving items into a warehouse uh or into a different house in general that's one thing we do promise is that we never mix estates um and it is the most efficient having it sold from the estate where it's located because if you're in um just like right now we're in a classic Sunnyvale four bed two bath ranch um and and then like last week we were in San Francisco on union so it's like we want to show where the items like, they want them photographed where they were from originally, um, which estate they're from, because I feel like it helps tell part of the story. And it shows people a realistic view of how it would look in their own home, because we ca- we cater to DIY um, shoppers who are fixing things up and reselling them or keeping them for themselves. We're shopping, shoppers who are keeping items as our second category. Um, then we have antique dealers and then resellers, and then uh, our fifth category i just what is it and i'm like what how, can, how come i can't remember this no um, so i just did a summary talk about it because it's like uh, what uh who shops let me look on our instagram page because I, yeah. um, I mean in I, general I,
0: so it sounds like you're almost running this co, co- signment model then right that no
1: No. Oh, interior designers is our last one. Uh, No, it's definitely not consignment. So we charge a service fee. That's a part of our business model. Um, It's an upfront service fee. And that is the cost that it's going to, worst case scenario, cost our clients to empty the house and leave it broom swept and empty. Um, And then we take the proceeds from what we sell and we apply them back towards the fee. And that helps offset the cost. So if we were to sell more than the service fee, they would get 100% of that money back. And then if we sell less than the service fee, they would owe us uh, at the end of the service. So the, no one's billed until the service is completed. That's oh. the same business model I had in 2020 or in t- 2004 when I started. Um, and it works out really well because families have a set date of when we'll start, a set date when we'll end, and then they know a worst case scenario of how much it'll cost. Um, so we just had a project in Los Altos Hills. Their service fee was 9800 And we sold like 29000 So then they would get the check for the difference on that. Um, And the property was left broom swept and empty. So a lot of people ask the common question is like, what's in it for you if you're not taking a commission, you know, Um, but really what's in it for us is just, we're all motivated to find a home for as many things and to make sure that it gets its second chance or third chance if our client, you know, maybe bought it or inherited it. Um, for a happy life, and in the Bay Area, it's really easy to call one eight hundred junk and throw it all out. But it's really not the most efficient way uh, to to respectfully handle an estate, I, I guess, it, it, because it, everything there is junk. Uh, where we are donating truckloads and we're recycling metal, we handle hazardous waste, um, and then the selling features it's a huge tool for our shopper, our families because of our shoppers. Cause we have like 10,000 plus shoppers and our own custom app. So you're not going to like estate to shop or max souls, and then being muddled with all these other sites. And we used to be on Instagram and I worked for two years to try to get us off that platform because you're kind of sucked into it. Um, as far as, as a buyer, because you had to wait for the sale and reset. And then you're get, getting serviced ads and stories and reels that don't really apply. Um, so with our app, it's efficient on that side of it too, because you can log in when the sale starts and you click, you add it to your cart and then you receive a confirmation for pickup and then you can go off the app and you're not getting bombarded with just extra things, which we oh, all- That's
0: that's interesting. So is it, uh, how do you guys do the release cycles? Like, is it is it like a, a specific- Is it like a drop date and you give people notice and people are like, all right.
1: Yeah, yeah. So if you sign up for our app, you'll see our sale calendar. It's listed. I try to put it out only like a month in advance because I don't want you to be like, oh, she's got 80 sales coming up because we do 125 estates per year. Mm -hmm. So it's a little overwhelming for shoppers. Um, So I put it out and then it will have a set sale time, which is a huge benefit on the app because then that sale time is when everything is for sale at once. Uh, which does still give that Instagram kind of rapid fire. Like I don't, I didn't know they were going to have a piano and a couch because, and oh, I didn't know they had this or that. Um, so I think, so that's how it works. So our sale for Sunnyvale started yesterday at 4 p.m. and then pickup is today 9 to 4 and the house will be empty at the end of today.
0: I see. So, who ultimately determines the pricing of something? Like, is there any input from the owner at all? So for example- a piano
1: something. Yeah. yeah so like a piano as you know they're a dime a dozen in the bay area so they're not super valuable which is one thing if i had a dollar for every family i had to tell that to i'd be very rich. <laughs> um,
0: So it's all personal right because it's they-
1: all personal so i tell i tell families you're more than welcome to give me an idea of what you'd like to price something but if it is overpriced i would rather you keep it and not have it a part of the sale because just like in real estate if you list something for too much money, then nobody's interested in it. And then you end up having to discount it further than what you would have ever sold it. But what it does in our situation, if they have like a high reserve is that it makes everything else look overpriced and then it really impacts their sale. So they have some input, but really they're hiring us because we do have an expert, you know, idea of what something will actually sell for. And most families feedback is really, is what they didn't think had value and how much we sell that for. And it's, it's fascinating. So we have multiple people on our sales team and it's everybody that works at Kuzak's calls it works full-time. So we don't have contractors that would like start a project and not end it. So it's the same core group of about 15 people. And we have, so on the app, I can go in anytime any time and edit a price. And so can anybody else on this, on the team. So there are some times where, like yesterday, I do all the marketing uh, for Kuzak's Closet Sales, so I was able to receive questions about items, and I probably shouldn't say this, but the more questions I get about an item, the more I kind of bump the price up, because why wouldn't you? I know that there's an interest in that from multiple people, and especially since I know most of our buyers, I'm able to say, oh, I know that those people are, are real buyers, so I should, I, we had a dresser at 185 and then I bumped it up to two. 25. I mean, it wasn't a big bump, but still. Um, And then each person on the team has a different level of expertise uh, on pricing. And then we all kind of keep each other in check because if it's something we like, uh, it's easy to think it should be more money than what it would really sell for. And the big example for that would be like the antique market or the primitives market is like, for me, I love antique pine and antique furniture and primitive, you know, vintage really nice wood pieces, but they don't sell. So I have to always be like, oh, that should be $380, uh, but it's going to sell for 75 So, and that's kind of where we realistically price things and why we have a frenzy at each sale because things are priced like to sell. So people kind of like, whoo, I got to get that because if they don't, it'll be gone.
0: So can you confirm, or is the pricing usually, so you, you have a team, you kind of value each of the piece yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. so you'll, there's some price let's say it's a hundred dollars has it always been this almost like buy it now yes model like and then have you ever experimented with just a, an ebay auction style
1: oh yeah ebay i
0: just started a, on not eBay not eBay, in 2004 just a, a
1: auction yeah
0: style right like of yeah. Yeah. yeah in a day or whatever
1: right so so when i started kuzak's closet we were on ebay um and the issue with auctions is that people forget about them uh so we do some auctions like we sell cars through our auction platform with on instagram and then we do auctions from time to time what i find is that um we are able to sell things more surely like there's a commitment to buy with the set price and the auction kind of it just kind of goes on like i watched a lot of other companies have auctions and they'll go on for two weeks um, and you're like, two weeks. you know, in Silicon Valley, if you're not getting your Amazon package that day, it's like you don't really need it. You'll go to Target tomorrow to buy it, right? So, um it's so the auction platform, it's not really, I don't know. And you know, everything but the house is a big estate company that raised a lot of money, and they started all their auctions at ninety nine cents. And they did that because everybody could have you know, in this franchise, you could have a huge staff of zero knowledge, right? So as long as you have someone who can take a photo, and load it onto the site, they don't have to know what the item is. It, it will sell itself and it all starts at 99 cents. And then if it ends up for $7,000, then you know the value. Uh, but for us, we're selling things that we sell pretty commonly. And then we know based on recent auction results too, like we're able to compete. I would say our biggest competitors are like Clars and and Bonham's and Michonne's because we're able to get like a really great price for an item that they would get at auction, but then the client would have to pay a seller's premium and then the commission. And then the buyer pays a buyer's premium. So with us, there aren't those fees. And so it's, it's a, it's a huge gain. Um, So I think, but I do believe, you know, there's definitely a time and place for auction items and most, most of the time, you know, it's really specific niche items or like fine Asian antiques we see that or specific, you know, pottery pieces or artwork. Um, but a lot of times we're able to really get the same price. So we'll ask families, like if you have an appraisal or if you have a commitment from an auction house that is going to sell that for you on auction, and let's say they are going to do it for $10,000. So that family is only going to net like $4,000 at the end of that. So we have between $4,000 and 10000 of wiggle room. So we'll try to list it and 99% of the time we sell
0: it. Interesting. So let's conclude with this. What are what is the most expensive thing that you basically resold? And what was the craziest thing that you thought, wow, I'm surprised? Like because even though you see a lot, there's always things that like I've never even seen or heard or I don't even know what to think of this thing. So I'd love to hear both of those two stories. Like what was the most expensive item that I sold and how much? And what was the craziest thing that you had to resell? Are you really, you
1: did? Yeah, I would say um, we sold a beautiful um, sapphire out of an estate in, and I look at the estates as a whole, so it's hard for me to pick an item. We had an estate in Atherton. We sold a beautiful sapphire ring for $38,000. We also sold a Mercedes from that estate for 55,000. Yeah, so it's, that's the most expensive I could say. The most valuable sale we had was right before the pandemic and it was the illustrator from Little Women and it was his grandchild's estate and his name was Louis Jambore so we called it the Jamboree and we sold his art that uh, was actually was the family Michons and Bonhams wasn't interested in it which was fascinating to me like it was beautiful his whole collection of oil paintings and in total that estate um just with mid-century items and collectibles and just neat things from around the world. It was a husband and wife that started the Santa Clara Law School. So they wore matching outfits every day. Uh, so they had a huge wardrobe that was, so we sold about one hundred and eighty-nine, dollars $190,000 out of that estate. And then I would say the wildest thing, the answer to that question is always what we didn't sell. Uh, so we find items all the time and we pride ourselves in turning those in uh, to the families. We were recently hired for an estate in Los Altos that they thought there was missing value in cougarans and silver bars. And they were right. We found over $600,000 uh, of cougarans, which are the gold coins that you probably uh, would have seen. And I think it's in Lethal Weapon, maybe the movie, mm-hmm. uh, but they're they're a little like film canister of them is worth about $50,000. So, uh, and then, so we, we were able to uncover that even down to the end when we were done vacuuming and it was broom swept and empty. And I said to my staff, let's lift, lift up the (laughs) metal, like the heating grates and out like you, there was a rope in two of them and you pulled it and a silver bar came out <laughs> that was fascinating because the client was alive and he had he I like had to go meet him because it was a hoarder situation so he wasn't living at the home and uh so I had to go meet him at the end and every day he would come and collect what we found and at the last day he was too tired he was you know in his 90s and um I said I'll bring them to you and so I brought these big ropes like you could it was nuts with silver bars on him into where he was staying. And he laughed so hard. He's like, I don't remember that at all. I'm like Seymour. Cause he had all of his cash in his oven. And I was like, <laughs> I hope you never accidentally tried to preheat it. You're lucky you weren't a big chef. So it's always the things that you weren't supposed to find uh, that you do that. I'd say that's really what keeps us motivated to get every job. Cause we know we'll do the best job um, and we'll be and have, you know, Full of integrity as we do it, which is what I love about what we do.
0: It's it's like one day you wish, let's say you buy a housing in the, in the housing world, right? Like there's obviously those nightmares. What's behind those drywalls Something like crazy behind the drywall. Yeah. But what if like behind the drywall is like stuck of cash, like these gold bars and things? Like that? Right.
1: Well, that house, I was like, so are you going to go back? I would highly recommend that you go back and get you know metal detectors and because we looked everywhere, but you know. And he's like, I don't know. And then the um, person that bought it was a flipper because it was in, not in great condition. And I was like, I wonder if they found any more money because the whole <laughs> the whole reason I asked about the value is there was a hole in the backyard. It was quite deep, and so I wondered if they exhumed a body. Like I, it was on the creek in Los Altos, and I we've seen a lot of weird things. I've been doing this for twenty years, so I said to the realtor, I said, would you mind just answering one question before we write up our contract. I just want to make sure there's a huge hole and there was fencing around it. It was recent. I said, did they exhume a body from the backyard? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, that just seems really deep. I mean, it was definitely like eight feet under. And um and and he's like, oh no, my client was bare he buried silver bars and he, he had a map, but he kind of forgot where they were. So we had to hire a company to come and dig them out. And then they had to go eight feet down to get them. Uh, I was just like, this is nuts. So yeah, it's always what you you know didn't think would be there. That is what, and it's always at houses that doesn't match up. There's never like a yes. mansion that's absolutely beautiful with the perfect clients, with the perfect stuff, right? There's like, it's always mixed up. You rarely hit that like great clients with great stuff with a great property. It's always like the house is in disrepair. You can't use the bathroom uh, for you know it, it's a hoarder's paradise but the client's great and the stuff's great Uh right. like that so
0: yeah those are like the, those are the, the beautiful discoveries right yes. you're yeah just Discovering things and that's that's the treasure hunt that yeah you're upset, that you're always under and that's always. the tricks it'll never get uh that journey won't get boring because you just never, never know what you'll find
1: yeah it never does
0: right well Amanda thank you so much for your time how can people like either stay connected I know there's an app like why don't you share all the like things yeah it, like tune in. So, like
1: yeah, you can sign up for our email list on our website, which is kuzakscloset.com. It's a great resource for real estate agents and families who are looking to hire an estate company. There's a lot of information. You can follow us on Instagram at shop Kuzak's Closet or Kuzak's Closet. Both have previews for each of our sales each week. We typically have two to three sales per week. And then you can go to the app store or the play store and download shop Kuzak's Closet to shop with us.
0: Wonderful. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for your time and thanks everyone for tuning in. Of course, feel free to reach out to Amanda if if you have any questions or you can be on that list to start looking for your next treasure.